Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Earlier this week in my time, I used to call it my quiet time. I'm not sure what I call it, if anything, anymore, but I was spending some time listening to God, and I just felt God say, look, Paul, and kind of jokingly used the old King James word, behold. See, when you know, as you've always been known, when you fully know your real self and everybody else's real self, there will be no judging no anger, no hatred, no exclusion, no taking credit for what somebody else does, no racism, no rules to keep, no reward and punishment system, no tears, no sickness, no darkness, no us-them, no haves and have-nots, no misunderstandings, no greed, no desire to lie and cheat and steal and covet, no remembrance of wrongdoings, no keeping record, no bringing up the past for your own sake. When you know, as you've always been known, every day will be a day like in heaven. Now, that's a pretty good thing to hear from Papa, as I call him. We, you know, wonder what it will be like in the next life, in eternity, in heaven, whatever we call it. And I've got some thoughts that I want to share with you today that may be something that you've never heard before that are tremendously exciting to me. This week, I interviewed my friend Peter Hyatt in Denver, and I also listened a couple of times to Malcolm Smith's first of three current messages on Luke 15, titled Reward and Punishment, which is the opposite of love. Both of these friends of mine had real strong common themes that dovetail with our recent teaching on forgiveness and God's relating to us regarding, quote, sin, unquote, and how it's the exact opposite of what most of us were taught in the world's doctrinal system of darkness. Today, we're going to discuss a super practical application of what Jesus said and did in a way that you may not have seen it before. I certainly didn't see it before until I talked to these two friends this past week. It really comes out to be heaven on earth every day when we know it. Even with spending the last 13 years or so in my journey of growing in grace, I'm still learning every day how God is way better than I thought. And this is one of those revelations that we're going to get to today. Some of you know about an African tribe called the Ubuntu tribe, and they have a very unusual custom. When somebody in the tribe does something hurtful, something wrong, they take that person to the center of town and the entire tribe comes and circles around him. Then for two days, they tell that person every good thing they've ever done. 
The tribe believes that every human being comes into the world as good, each of us desiring safety and love and peace and happiness. But sometimes in a pursuit of those things, people make mistakes, don't we? That community sees misdeeds as a cry for help. They band together for the sake of their fellow man to hold him up, to reconcile him with his true nature, to remind him of who he really is until he fully remembers the truth from which he's temporarily been disconnected. And in doing that, they recognize the value of every person, and that's their way of forgiving or bringing a person back into right standing. The Ubuntu tribe. One of the things they say is, I am who I am because of who we all are. You know, we all at times do things like happens with that tribe in South Africa. But it's a unique and amazing thing that they do. Now, notice what they don't do. They don't judge or condemn or separate or exclude or punish. They don't remind the person of their misdeeds. They don't even bring them up or focus on them. Sounds a lot like God, doesn't it? Ask you some questions. Does God know everything? Most of us would say yes. Second question, is Jesus God? Many of us would say yes. Third question, does Jesus know everything? Well, yes. So, many of us have been taught a lot about grace. This is called grace to all. And I've told you all before that one of my working definitions of grace is that it's love in action continually making all things right for everyone. You've probably heard the phrase, fallen from grace. Well, when you fall from grace, what do you fall to? Adam and Eve, or whoever the first people were, as the story goes, fell. They fell from grace. What did they fall to? The first book of what we call the New Testament not the first book in order in the Bible, but the first book chronologically that was written, was written to the church in Galatia, whose people fell from grace. What did they fall to? I was taught that, well, when you fall from grace, that means you sin. You fall into sin, and you no longer have God's grace. Well, that's just totally wrong. (laughs) Totally wrong. I got good news for you today. Actually, really good news for you. When you fall from grace, you do actually fall into what the original meaning of sin was, but it's not like we've been taught at all. As you know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast and to other similar ones, what we call sin is what the first church called missing the mark of knowing who God really is, who you really are, and who everybody else really is. It's falling short of the revelation that God is pure, perfect love with no conditions for anyone. God is pure light with not even a hint of darkness. Falling short of realizing that God is pure, abounding grace to all, pure goodness for all, total inclusion and acceptance of everyone, and so much more, and it's all good. That's what the first church, the word that we unfortunately translate sin, harmartia in Greek, That's what it was to them. Falling the mark 
and not knowing or falling away from or missing or falling short of who God really is and who we really are. I want to give you an astounding statement that I heard from my friend Malcolm Smith this week, and I'm paraphrasing this. I got this from several different things that he said in the teaching. Here it is. The worst sin of all is saying and teaching that God's unconditional love, grace, goodness, and inclusion is not for all people. That's totally missing the mark of God's perfection, misrepresenting God's character, and perpetuating that lie to others, especially children. And of course, that's what Jesus condemned in religious leaders, and it got him killed. Now, what the first church calls sin has nothing to do with lying, cheating, stealing, gluttony. I mean, those may be things that people do when they miss the mark of God, when they miss the mark of who they are, and and when they live out of a false identity. But those are not the things that God focuses on. I want you to remember that phrase, false identity. When people live out of a false identity, that's the false self. That's the ego. That's who we think we are based on our five senses and what other people say we are and the conclusions that we come to about ourselves based on what we have done. Well, today you're going to learn some more good news, some really good news that I don't think maybe many of you ever knew before. If we're not hearing every day, every week that God's even better than we thought before, we're missing out. All right. Let's take a look at that church in Galatia that I told you about. First book written in the New Testament, written about uh, the year 50, 15 years or so after Christ finished work at the cross. The Apostle Paul actually started this church two or three years before that on his first missionary tour. It was around the year 47 or 48. That church, like most of the churches that Paul started, got off to a great start. But then after he left to go start some other churches, religious people came and started telling them, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus is fine, love's fine, grace is good and everything, but uh, the real thing is the law, Moses. You got to keep all the law to get right with God, and God's going to be ticked if you don't. It's all about a performance system that either rewards or punishes you based on what you do. It's like they said, you know, Paul must have got you started, but he forgot to tell you this most important part. They said, God will judge you and punish you if you don't keep this law. So we're going to tell you now what the law is, and here's what you have to do. Well, those people could have just refused and said, nah, we're not listening to that. But like most of us in a religious setting, they started trying to keep the law, which is, of course, impossible. Let me net out for you what the law is all about. It's all about judging. It's about good performance that gets judged good and you get rewarded, or bad performance that gets judged bad and then there's punishment. The law is what the Jewish people call the entire Old Testament. It's much more than just the Ten Commandments. It's much more than the 613 extra commandments that Moses apparently came up with on his own. It's much more than the Pharisees' 2,000-plus laws that they came up with to try to make people keep the first 613. It's even more than what each denomination and church's list of do's and don'ts, their own little set of laws and their punishments for breaking the laws are. It's 
much more heinous. It's worse than all of those. The worst part of the law is our personal version of the law that we judge ourselves and other people by. This is what affects our daily life and all our relationships. Each of us has our own version of the law, our own version of performance that then gets rewarded or punished based on our judgment. I have the Paul Gray version of the law for myself. Paul Gray's law tells me that I should do certain things and I should not do other things, and I tend to reward or punish myself based on my performance. That's what the law does, and it always leaves you wanting. Paul Gray's version of the law, I also apply to my closest loved ones, my friends and family and everybody else, and that version of the law says people should do these things but not do those things. Well, that's the worst law there is, and every one of us has our own personal law. Now, have you ever thought about what is not there in any one of those versions of the law, the Ten Commandments or the other 613 that Moses had or the Pharisees or the church or religion laws or your own personal version of the law? You ever thought about what's not there? Well, love is not there. Grace is not there. Peace is not there. Joy is not there. Kindness is not there. See, law is devoid of all of those things, but it's chock full of judgment, passing sentence. It's about payback, reward, and punishment. Law, of course, is just another name for religion. Jesus says that neither he nor the Father judge anything, period. The Holy Spirit, grace, doesn't judge. See, God is into putback, not payback. Jesus taught the Apostle Paul, and Paul wrote to this church in Galatia, and he says, you guys have fallen from grace into law. You've fallen from grace and freedom into religion. You haven't fallen into a lifestyle of bad moral behavior. It's much worse than that. It's a lifestyle of religious law based on performance and reward or punishment according to what whoever's there decides the rules are. Paul wrote to them, he says, that's not God's way. That's not Jesus' way. He said, you guys are foolish for doing that. <laughs> he, he says, that's not the way of grace. Let me ask those questions again. Does God know everything? Is Jesus God? Does Jesus know everything? Well, let me ask another question. What doesn't Jesus know? What doesn't Jesus know that he doesn't want us to know? <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want us to know lies. Look at this. Matthew seven twenty-one to 23. Jesus is teaching to a big crowd of religious leaders and general public here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that some are not going to enter 
the kingdom of heaven, but it's not what you've been taught. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, that passage used to really scare me. I was taught that we can be religious people and do all kinds of good things and memorize scripture and even drive out demons and stuff like that, but go to hell and not go to heaven because we really didn't know Jesus perfectly. Question, does God know everything? Yes. Question, is Jesus God? Yes. Question, does Jesus know everything? Yes. Question, how could Jesus not know certain people? Could it be that what Jesus is saying here means something totally different than what we've been led to believe? Hmm. All right, here we go. We have our true identity. I've taught you this over and over again. Who we have been since before creation. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1 and other places. We have our own true identity that we've had since before creation, before we were ever conceived here on earth, who we've always been. And God says that we have always been created because of his love, in his likeness and image, pure, perfect, without fault, right with God, with no blemish, like the Ubuntu people in Africa believe about each other. Everyone, us and everyone, we all have that true, pure, perfectly good identity, the real us, who we have always been, who we are and who we always will be. Now, our behavior sometimes belies our true identity. Sometimes our behavior doesn't look like the real us. That is our false self, our shadow self, our ego, our mind, who we have convinced ourselves that we are, who we project to society, who we prop up and defend, or whom we condemn in ourselves and in others. Our false self comes from the law, the reward-punishment system propagated by the world's doctrinal system of darkness. Our false self is an illusion. It only exists in our mind or in other people's minds. You know, several different people each think that you're a different person, (laughs) who's the right one? Well, our false self is not real. Jesus doesn't know what's not real. Jesus doesn't relate to what's not real. Jesus doesn't interact to what's not real. Jesus doesn't listen to or engage with what's not real. 
each of us at different times in our lives, or even from hour to hour, has a false opinion of ourselves based on lies, lies that we have of ourselves or of others. So here's what I want you to know to the core. I want to know this to the core of my being, and I want you all to really get it too. This is huge. When Jesus said, I never knew you away from me, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, I never knew your false self. I don't know your ego. I don't know the shadow self. I don't know the lie that you believe about yourself and other people. I don't know that person, that false person. I don't relate to or engage with that person. That false identity, the false you, can't be in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't exist. Your false self is not real, and it will not be in the kingdom of heaven where everything is good. Jesus doesn't know, doesn't relate to, doesn't judge or condemn or punish, let alone separate himself from something that's not real. It's a no thing according to Jesus, a no thing. Jesus says that he the Father, and the Holy Spirit judged us all one time, once for all, before the beginning of time. And then Jesus ratified that in his finished work at the cross in time and space. And what he continues to do after that is to convince us and remind us through the Holy Spirit of who we are, that we are righteous. He doesn't tell us or remind us who we're not in our false self. He doesn't even relate to our false self. There is no day of judgment. There is a time when we will all see face to face and be reminded for sure that we were judged before the beginning of time. Jesus does what the Ubuntu people do. He lovingly reminds us of who we really are, who we've always been. That group of people in Africa, they live their lives and they do what Jesus does. And Jesus wants us to do that with ourselves and with each other. I'm going to close here with just a few more scriptures that really nail this down. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul writes, Christ is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love believes, God believes, the best in all of us. And God doesn't believe any lies. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 16. Christ's love compels us. Paul got this and he said, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. From now on, we don't see anybody by what they do here in the world, how they act, what they say, what they do. No, We only regard them as who they are, who they have always been eternally. Well, what if we did that with ourselves and with our loved ones when we or others sometimes don't act the best? What if we just stop seeing ourselves and others by a 
performance-based law lens from a worldly point of view. Final scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and 13, the end of the love chapter. Paul says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then that day will come when we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known and have always been fully known. Jesus knows the real us, not our false self. There will come a day, and we can get more and more. We can do that more and more each day now. There will come a day when we will totally see the real us and the real everybody else who they are, who we have all been, we will see clearly and we will know who we are and who everybody else is. We will know as we've always been known. As we journey towards that day, when we know fully, we learn more and more every day that God is better and we're a lot better than we thought we were the day before. I want to finish today with the words of one of the greatest spiritual giants of the 20th century, one of my idols, Louis Armstrong. He said this, All I'm saying is, see, what a wonderful world it would be if only we'd give it a chance. Love, baby, love. That's the secret. Yeah. If lots more of us loved each other, we'd solve lots more problems. If you want to hear Louis Armstrong say that himself, just Google Louis Armstrong, what a wonderful world. And he says that at the beginning of one of the great versions of that, and then he goes into the song, and it's really good. Love, baby. It's all about love. Hey, I love you all. Good being with you. I'll see you next time on another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.